This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're over halfway through the lockdown mini tournament. It's a big W for Brentford as they found themselves with another win, this time against hardworking Charlton Athletic. And it wasn't easy, as we'll discuss later in the show. I'm Billy Grant, and this show is going to be one of two halves. The head coach has made a brave decision. He's given a few key players a rest for the first half. And if he finds himself struggling, he'll bring them on in the second half. So it's the show of two liberals. We've decided to spit the liberal contingent on our podcast. Uh, you can't get too many liberals overloading the podcast, can you? So in this first part, we've got the liberal Tom in the house. Liberal Tom, how are you? Not so bad, thank you very much. Well, I feel much better after last night's result, I can tell you. I felt a lot better after 90 minutes than I did uh, at half time. After 45 minutes, it wasn't looking particularly well. And Laney is in the house. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yep, still still buzzing from the uh, the kind of like the recovery from yesterday. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty to talk about tonight. Is uh, you know, it's, it was uh, obviously another very very important win. It was a very important win indeed. I mean, like you know, I mean, uh, we're just going to be talking about the. I mean, we're, we're again people. We're watching it in all sorts of different locations, you know, there's, you know, houses, gardens, you know, people kind of having little private parties. The, the, the Liberal, where did you watch it? I kept it low key. I'm, I'm going with the tradition at the moment. I'm finding that because we're on a bit of a streak, I'm not going to change the way in which I watch it. So sitting sitting at home uh, is the safest way for me. Got the family around as well. We're all there sitting there passionately. We even had our Brentford face masks at the ready just in case we needed them. And uh, yeah, no, and um, please, please, with please, with how that's going. Hopefully, we'll keep that up. If you're on tradition, are you wearing exactly the same clothes every time as well, and underpants? That's it. I'm, I, I wouldn't like to reveal, but I do wash other clothes. But uh, yeah, the, the pants might be staying at the moment. Laney, how about yourself? Yeah, it was the the same crew around my garden again. The Ash Vegas posse, they came round. Um, Again, yeah, the, the seating plan is identical. No one's allowed to move seats. I've set them out in exactly the same areas. Um, yeah, everyone's wearing similar stuff, and I've, I've kept it to two different tops 
one. It was raining yesterday, so I've got the uh, I've got the uh, the, the Brentford Griffin Park um, showerproof jacket, and then obviously I've got my 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 other my other stuff my other stuff that I've been wearing. So yeah, I think it really is about keeping uh, keeping sort of superstitions um, the same. Really, I thought why would you want to change it and risk it? So uh, yeah. Very, very, very much about uh, just what, whatever's working, stick to it. And it's amazing. I mean, you said that because I actually had no idea that it was raining. I saw it was raining on the TV. But, you know, where I was, I mean, I went down to, I mean, I decided to make a home match against Charlton, an away match against Charlton. So I jumped in the car, put my Brentford stuff in the back of the car, daughter jumped in, you know, Brentford tops on, everything like that, going down the motorway to feel like a bit of an away game as well. And we went down to southeast, or so southeast of London. We actually went into Kent to, uh, to, to well, into tar- Charlton territory. And we actually watched a game with my mate um, Paul, you know, one of my best mates, or with my best mate Paul in Seven Oaks as well, with his brother, his whole family there as well. Plus, we had a whole load of Charlton Posse as well, DLT, and uh, Joe as well, who I've known for, you know, 30, 30 odd years as well, Charlton fans. So there's like a big Bees and Charlton contingent actually watching it in, in Seven Oaks, which was actually quite mad. And there was no rain. We watched it outside. We sat down. It was it was it was wicked, actually. You know, in the back of Paul's garden as well. New dogs jumping around and all that. But you know, it was good, and it was definitely a game of two halves because the Charlton posse were giving it loads at half time, saying we don't even know what we were worried about. You know, we we're all over you lot. You know, you know, can we play you every week? Because obviously they beat us at Charlton, but obviously they're a little bit quieter in the ninety minutes. <laughs> I, I do have to say before I forget that uh, when the when the winning goal went in, the 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 scenes were just brilliant, and it was pouring at that stage, and all, we were all sitting there in the garden under under umbrellas, and literally everyone just jumped up, and it, it was a an impromptu. We're just winning in the rain, winning in the rain. What a glorious feeling! We're winning again. And uh, yeah, it was uh, in in uh, normal circumstances. I'll put it on social media, but I'm not sure I'll put myself through that. Definitely, I had to I had to call out my friend from uh, Bolton. He's a Bolton fan, so not exactly had lots to be singing or cheering about. But I think he was quite excited at halftime when it looked like we were bottling it. And then by the end of the game, I noticed a significant silence from him. So uh, I'll call him out on the podcast instead. I'll save him the social media embarrassment. A good time as had by all Beast fans yet again. We've still got four games to go. So, you know, listen, there's still a long, long way to go. And we'll talk about this on the podcast because what what we, what we got to talk about well we got to look back at that child match we're also going to hear what thomas frank had to say we might even we might even hear from, from one of the players if we if they decide they're going to talk to us as well um like i said to you we're going to bring the subs off the bench a little bit later as we review the west brom versus derby match as well and uh we're all going to be talking to lisa and pete from derby fan tv plus we'll be looking forward to the weekend's games and discussing how the results may affect the promotion race but saying that, Tuesday night, Brentford, they had to work quite hard to beat Charlton at Griffin Park. Let's go back to listen to what the fans had to say after the match. And breathe. What a result that turned out to be. Wasn't sure it was always going to happen, though. You know, Charlton scoring that early goal, that put us under pressure. We all know what they did to us earlier in the season. And I must admit, I was worried that the game was going to go that way again. However, if you go back and look at the stats... possession Brentford, 30% Charlton. Yeah, I know they're defending that goal. And then eight shots on target to two shots on target. You play that again again, we win it 3-0, we win it 3-1. So I'm going to make an argument it wasn't that bad a performance. 
actually we did what we needed to do which was break Charlton down and we did it by sticking to plans and we ended up getting through them we ended up winning that penalty then we got that goal to win the game in terms of the team I thought you know the Roslev Jensen both of them maybe lacking a little bit of match fitness obviously you know there's no evidence to say last night were bad performances but I just think that when we bought on Dalsgaard and Marcondes they just looked a bit sharper but also what it did was give us the opportunity to push De Silva out to the right which is something we haven't done so much this season and I thought De Silva was really immense in the last half an hour or so Devasoglu too coming on was very impressed with him he did really well and you know what I think the only thing I can say about Charlton is that Johnny Williams I kind of thought he was running the show to be honest in midfield you know getting in there getting stuck in but they took him off after what 55 60 minutes and I think that helped us as well I think we move on now we put the pressure on West Brom and we just have to keep going amazing amazing performance I thought Josh De Silva was fantastic in the second half but like in general the comeback's just given me so much more confidence in this group of players it was uh, it was exciting even watching it on my own I was still up yelling at the screen for the last like 15 20 minutes I've not felt like that yet since the restart uh, no, I was like a one-woman team limbs when we scored the second. I was all over the shop. Uh, curtains open as well. God knows what the neighbours thought. But no, this performance, it has to put pressure on the top two. Like West Brom particularly, you can see on the socials, fans are starting to panic. Like, hopefully it's enough as well to give the teams a bit of a wobble. Like, we know we're waiting for others to mess up and it's a long shot, but we are holding up our end of the bargain. And for me, as long as that continues, that's all we can ask. And it is... I don't know, it's properly, properly exciting times. Leeds United, West Bromwich Albion, we are coming for you. Uh, yeah, that that was just such. Oh, I'm I'm so over the moon. I'm so delighted. I think it was such a wonderful encapsulation of our season that we finally managed to beat that team that goes one nil up and six eleven men behind the ball. When we came from behind against Barnsley, it's because they weren't very good. When we came from behind against Millwall, it's because we were just a quite gutsy. But this was a really calm, measured victory against a, what I thought were actually a very solid defensive opposition. Charlton weren't very good going forward. They managed to get a goal on the on the you know just from out of nowhere basically at the start of the game but yeah just seeing seeing the way in which we calmly and collectively dispatched a team that go, sticks 11 men behind the ball having gone 1-0 up was just such a joyous moment those three points could really really help us in the promotion push and it could really damage Charlton in the relegation scrap uh, but the key thing for me today was I mean Sai Ben Rama dragged us through it Ben Rama I, th- I was just so delighted and it wasn't because of the traditional Ben Rama stuff the flicks the fancy tricks the nutmegs and the wonderful goals it was the way he geared up the rest of the team and in became almost a leader on that pitch and it's something that you've just seen how he's matured and grown as well as players like David Raya, Ethan Pinnock and uh, Rico Henry are, have just become these leaders on the pitch I'm so buzzing for the le- next few games that was going to be a really tough game but we did it we did it! Come on, you bees! A vital win for Brentford, and one that gave me more satisfaction than the relative strolls in the park against Reading and Wigan. Eight of our 11 defeats this season have been by 1-0, most of them against teams that took an early lead and clung on desperately, defending for their lives by fair means and foul. That's exactly what Charlton did, and I feared the worst. The pivotal point of the game was when Thomas Frank got out his tactics board during the second-half drinks break, and what a team talk it was. Benrahma moved more centrally and won the penalty. Josh De Silva, causing havoc on the right, crossed for Ethan Pinnock to score the winner. We kept patient and Charlton eventually crumbled under the onslaught. Brilliant management from Thomas Frank. Have we left it too late? Maybe. Leeds have been superb all season, but we all know their history of cracking up. West Brom, such a strong squad, 
but how solid is their defence? Whatever happens, it's a fantastic end to the season and we all feel truly privileged to watch this Brentford team. I really, really think this is going to be our year. Turning that game round was incredible and yet again, the drinks break proved decisive. I just think the desire, the, the team don't know when they're beaten. For most of the game, it felt like the Charlton away game, us dominating but not being able to get through. I thought Charlton defended well to keep us out of the area. But once we got that penalty, once that was put away, wave after wave after wave of attack and the second goal was, was almost inevitable. Josh De Silva is playing like such an experienced midfielder. He's such an important player for us. He drives the team on. His desire, as I mentioned before, the desire to get that goal at Reading and to get to the balls across the West Brom game again last night. Just so, so important. I really think we can do this now. Um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But winning a game like that was a massive thing for our season. The penalty could almost be seen as a turning point in a hump promotion. Come on, you bees. One of those games where, in the past, we've gone behind early to these teams that pack the defence, put 11 men behind the ball, and we cannot break them down. And at first half, it really looked like that was going to be the case. I thought Norgard didn't quite look like he was at the races. And Norgard's so important. Um, I think if, if he plays well, like with Sawyer's, Brentford will play well. Second half, Josh De Silva. Just magnificent. What a second half he had. I think he could almost completely change the game. Uh, the runs he made forward, uh, the way he went past people, the way he disused his strength uh, and his passing was fantastic. And I think everything that happened second half was a result of what, for me, De Silva did. I think uh, Norgard picked his game up. Mark Condes and uh, Dalsgaard coming on certainly made a, a difference. We looked more solid with them on the pitch. And once Saeed scored, you couldn't really see any other winner. Um, Halil came on and did fantastically well, even going for the tactical red card near the end to waste some time. But I thought he had some nice touches and it's good to see that he could just slot in there. When Pinnock scored, what a moment that was. What a moment for us. Uh, Moments like that you miss Ealing Road, don't you? But it was brilliant and it just goes a big shout to our opponents. We're still here and we can go behind and we can win when we're not playing that well. A win against a team like Charlton who gave it everything, who were well organised, who were tight at the back. They had the fillip of a very good, well taken early goal and that put a spring in their step. And really we couldn't get a sniff at them until near half time and then it was only long shots. But the second half was a procession of chances for us as we, we put pressure on them. De Silva took control in midfield. Bringing on Macondes and Dalsgaard was a masterstroke by Thomas uh, Frank. And eventually we wore them down. But we had a bit of luck. It was a penalty, but the referee had given us nothing the whole game. And then it was, can we get the, that winning goal? De Silva hit the top of the post and it looked like it would be one of those days but then another set-piece goal, hats off to our set-piece coach, and we're still on the, on the coattails of West Brom and Leeds. This would be a massive psychological boost for the team. Shows that they can come back from adversity as well. Very impressed by Mark Andes coming off the bench. Again, showed great impact like he did against Fulham. Pinnock has been incredible with the set-pieces. That's obviously the most important aspect of the season, the way we've attacked set-pieces and used Pinnock's height and strength to our advantage we've scored at least five six goals from that recently now the pressure's back on Leeds and West Brom teams like Stoke coming up later on as well will prove to be a challenge but as long as we focus on ourselves never know what can happen
What a time to be alive for the bees. Absolutely. Five out of five. 11 goals scored. Even better, Ollie hasn't scored in three, so that makes me think that he's going to start banging him in soon as well. Charlton, reasonable, good performance in the first half, but we sussed him out in the second. Um, and Thomas Frank's strategic use of a tactics board uh, guaranteed to wind up our opponents and guaranteed to make sure that we got those two goals. First, was it a penalty? Looked like it on the television, but who cares? Second one from Pinnock, what a team goal. Again, everybody contributing. Lovely, lovely to see. This is such an exciting time to be a Brentford fan. Last four games of the season, anything could happen. Just need a bit of a West Brom uh, wobble, but we'll be there. Um, bring on Derby. Bring on the next four games, as I said. Come on, you bees. Come on. From the fans of the match, very, very, very happy, naturally. But I'm just thinking, I mean, Charlton, they gave us real problems, and particularly in the first half. I'm just thinking, just give us one word to describe Charlton, Laney. Functional. Uh, I, I thought they played better than I, I, I gave them credit for. Um, they seem to be able to pull their performances out against better teams. Um, I, I don't think... They, I don't. I think that might have been the first time they'd lost to a team in the top six um, this season. Which someone said that last night. I haven't checked it, so I'm taking that on, on face value. But they seem they seem to be a decent team when they want to be. But over the course of the you know the nine months, they've been pretty pretty average. So um, yeah, they, they they gave us a really good game, didn't they? Um, and they made it made it difficult for us. So it was it was just really really important that we got something out of that in the end. You know. Um, and, and probably uh, the, the style of that victory and how we had to turn the game around, it probably did us more favours than another 4-0 win. You know, having, having teams not roll over for us, but everything going our own way, um, scoring worldly world goals, having our players score hat-tricks and, you know, doesn't look like we've got a care in the world. That's all well and good. It's good for your confidence. But I, I really did think um, that last night was a better exercise for us um, for, you know, obviously, A, the playoffs, if we have to go into them when teams get a bit more edgy and there's, there's two legs and people just don't want to concede goals in the first leg, whether that's home or whether that's away. If we, do, if we were to get Fulham or we were to get Forest or we were to get Derby, who teams that are able to really defend if they want to, um, it was important that we were able to kind of knuckle down, not, not get panicky, just carry on doing the things that we do and having that belief that sooner or later, you know, we keep knocking on the door, keep creating the chances, the chances get converted into goals. And that's what we saw. It could have been, you know, if De Silva's shot goes in instead of coming back off the bar, if Ben Rama's sort of little little um, toe poke is on target, that, that may go in. Um, you know, we, we, we still created enough to probably score three or four goals. So that's really heartening. So, yeah, fair play, Charlton. Um, you know, they, they gave us a game. So, yes, the Liberal, Charlton, one word to describe them. Uh, adapted. Seems a bit weird, but their 5-3-2 system, really problematic for us going forward. Um, they, I think I think Thomas Frank spoke quite well about the way in which he was, uh, in which we were, they were trying to man-mark us out the game. And, uh, and that really played dividends. And that's why we saw it on his whiteboard later on in the game. I think that was exactly their game plan, was that they knew that they were going to struggle against us. Even though they didn't have the crowd behind us, when we play at Griffin Park, we play with that freedom. We gave it a good go and, and they knew how they had to stop it. 
Yeah, I mean, they obviously did a very, very good job. I mean, and the game overall, I mean, you know, just, just, I mean, just talk us through how you saw the game. I think it was one of those games where it was, it was difficult to, to see whether or not Brentford would bounce back. The signs weren't there early on. We didn't quite look at the races. I think Norgard looked like the fatigue was setting in. And then we seemed to just suddenly come out from nowhere and find this, 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 this depth that you always thought was the Griffin Park crowd cheering them on. Um, but appears to have come from from within them, and and they and they just seem to turn themselves into into an effective machine. They seem to work out where the gaps were in their system, and and they really gave them a good game of it. And that's what we needed. We needed a good game where we could put pressure on them, uh, where we could eventually find the gaps, and we kept going. And that was the best thing for me was the way we just kept going. We, I mean, we definitely kept going. I mean, for me, the word that you know, people would say that springs to mind immediately is dogged, as they use for a team like Charlton. Dogged, you know. But I'd actually rather use, and just thinking about you sitting inside or sitting outside as you're watching the game and how things weren't quite going right for you and you're sitting with amongst all these Charlton characters and they're sort of smiling away. Frustrating is the word for me. And that's what they were doing. They were frustrating us in the first half. And in particular in the first half, because it definitely was a game of two halves. I mean, honestly, the first half, I mean, what went, what do you think or how do you see it kind of went wrong for Brentford? Because it was one of those games where it just wasn't really going for us at all, was it? No, I don't think we looked as um, kind of assured. Uh, we, 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 weren't at our, we weren't at full throttle like we were in, in the, the previous two games to that. Um, but, you know, as Tom just said, you know, they, they, they were marking us very tightly. Um, and they obviously took the lead, and take, taking the lead was a, was a bit of a game changer. I think you know you see a lot of teams that set up to mark and, and, and kind of limit the damage that the, the, the most the most attacking uh, teams in the in the, in the world um, you know are capable of. So you know getting really tight, um, making sure that you you know just don't get caught uh, you know out of position. They're, it's all critical not to get turned over they knew that they if they if they didn't get their game plan right that they stood a good chance of being really, really sort of like taken to the cleaners so yeah they, they, they did set themselves up really really well and uh you know the it was a great cross and a great great header back into the into the danger area you probably would have maybe expected david raya to kind of be a little bit take got go straight through the man there i don't i don't mean give away a penalty but he, he, he seemed to be sort of caught a little bit flat-footed um, with it and, and beaten to the ball. So, but you know, we're not going to get it all our own way. And as I said in the first sort of like little chunk, I think it's actually important that that game happened as it did last night. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it would have done us any favours really sitting there purring over another five-four-nil win. So I'm, I'll, I'll just take the positives and the negatives if I'm honest with you. Um, you know, it was important that we had a bit of a kick up the arse, and I think we, I think we got that. I think that first half they had that belief. It's that, that game really mattered to them, um, and they really played like that for the first few minutes. And once they got the goal, then they moved on and they started, you know, really showing some signs. And I think that was why they started the game so positively was that they knew they could get something out of this based on their track record. I think it's testament to the way we played, though, that we managed to turn it round and. and and, and make a difference. And that's what was the important thing about it. Thomas Frank said at the end of the match at the weekend, he said that, you know, Charlton are going to be tough because of their defensive record. He knew what it was going to be like. He knew what it was like 
at Charlton, you know, we had Ollie from the SC7 podcast who was on our pre-match podcast as well. And he was telling us exactly what they're like. You know, they're very confident, you know, in holding teams out, you know, causing them problems. And uh, you can see them, you know, OK, they're not doing particularly great at the moment. But that's probably because uh, their lack of scoring goals. But I think, you know, Charlton can go out and frustrate, you know, a number of teams this season. And, you know, if it's a case of, you know, getting a team to take two points off a team, as, as in the fact that, you know, instead of them getting three points, they're going to be getting just one point, you know, which is going to be great for us. I mean, you know, there's only a certain amount of teams that Charlton are playing who are, you, you know, who are vying for, for our position. But, you know, that is only a good thing. And I mean, I was speaking to my Leeds mate only earlier this morning who, I mean, they're just so nervous. They are so nervous. I don't know why they're so nervous because, you know, there's still four games to go and they're, they're still playing very good football. But he goes, thank God we're playing Charlton in our last game of the season because he sees it as a, as a bit of a problem. But, yeah, definitely that first half w was, a, was an issue for, for, for Brentford. You know, Charlton, the fact that, you know, that how they were, they, 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 they were trying to stop our midfield from playing. You know, they stopped to get us to pull and play the ball out. They were, you know, they were pressing us very high. You know, they were just doing all the things where, you know, people are saying, well, you know, if, they, if, they, if they're pressing them so high, then they could get caught out, they could caught us on the break. But they didn't allow us to get on the break. They didn't allow us to get on the ball. They didn't allow us to pass about as much as we would do. And also a lot of our players were a little bit off the boil. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, the whoscored.com where we sort of kind of look at, you know, quite a lot just to get a good idea of, what, of what's happening on the pitch because, you know, a very well-respected website. You know, if you're looking at the, you know, the top players, obviously, you know, um, De Silva, you know, who had a very good game, uh, you know, 8.5. Ben Rama got a 7.9 in their book, you know. But then afterwards, you had your boom over the 6.3s, you know, the Jensen 6.5s, you know. You know, you were also talking about, um, you know, you know, um, Ethan Pinnock on an 8.8 .8 as well. You know, a very, very good game. But then, you know, a lot of players had, a, had, an, had an all right, you know, had, had an all right game. Um, and I think that's kind of was even more beneficial for us as a team, Brentford. The fact that we had a team who was... We had pressure from Charlton. We had players who had a slightly off game, but then afterwards we had a couple of players who actually really picked it up, like you know, like uh, Ben Rama, who picked it up, and uh, and and they sort of kind of carried the team and they carried us over the halfway line and into the second half, which I think is a good thing, mainly. Yeah, um, I, I think it's important to get that kind of little bit of a blip um, out of our system ahead of Derby. Derby is obviously going to be a much tougher test for us than than Charlton on paper. I know, I know, in, you know, there really is no easy games, or there shouldn't be easy games when you've got a team that's uh, going for promotion against a team that's battling against relegation. There's a lot at stake, so you know they're, they're always going to be nervy at, at times. I think, um, especially if you don't get the early goal yourself, and you're, you're sort of like you're, you're fighting to get back in the game rather than kind of protecting the lead or building on the lead. Um, I, I think that. Performance last night will, as I said, do us do us some good. And I, I think that you know the players that kind of really weren't at the ten out of ten or the nine out of tens, which we saw at Reading and we, we saw um, at the weekend um, against Wigan, they're 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 due um, a kind of just a bit more of a shot in the arm. I think I think yeah, I think we'll see a much improved performance on Saturday because. Um, it's, it was, they'd probably be, be relieved, and they, 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 you know, they got out of jail slightly last night. Question: I'm going to ask you because um, that first half, we 
you know, we put our hands up. We said we did struggle a little bit. Charlton were, you know, they were in effect, they were very good because they did a good job. Um, there's an interesting change to the team. I mean, there's obviously three changes to the team, but the one that actually kind of raised quite a few people's eyebrows was Mads Rusliff, who played at right back instead of Dalsgaard, who was put on the bench. We presume that Dalsgaard was put on the bench to rest him up because we've got Derby on Saturday. So they're trying to rotate players and keep them fresh, especially if we're going to be going into a, a playoff push as well. Now, now, a lot of people said, I saw a few people say, hmm, quite interesting, you know, Brentford, the only team that I know that's going to change the defence that actually hasn't let in a goal, you know, in sort of five games. Um, but Thomas Frank made that decision, and it was a decision that potentially could have backfired for us, couldn't it, the Liberal? Yeah, it, it could have backfired. I think he got a bit of a hard time. I mean, I know that some people are giving him ratings down by six, and I don't think that necessarily reflects how he played. I think the biggest problem with him was is that he didn't have the protection in front of him. When we've had other midfielders, they do a lot more pressing. When he started the game, he had Jensen in front of him. It wasn't giving him any of that protection. And it puts a lot of pressure on him at right back. And I think they were really giving it some. And as I say, they were very positive first, starting coming out of the blocks. And I wonder, without that backup, whether or not he was just getting himself a little bit more exposed than, than perhaps Dowsgaard's experience. Um, but, it, but I thought... I thought that he still put in a good performance. I think he works hard. I still think he's raw. And I think that's the thing we've got to remember. He is a squad player. He's part of that rotation. He's still got to get used to it. And he's still got to acclimatise. If he hasn't been playing, it's his first kind of appearance since the uh, since since we have our mini 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 lockdown tournament. And, and, and he's got to get used to that as well because it's a different situation for him. Other players have had that time to adapt to it. Uh, and so I... I you know, I was disappointed by it, but I think I think the ratings have done him hard there. I don't think he has bad a game as, as perhaps the ratings seem to suggest. 6.2, we're talking about the ratings that Who Scored gave him as well. And if you talk about that whole right side, like I said, 6.2 for, for Roslev, 6.5 for Jensen, 6.3 for Bumo as well. So, you know, there are players that, you know, if, if you looked at them, you know, if they were in a school and the teacher, you know, was uh, teaching them and they had a lesson and they probably took a test, they'd probably say, you know, could do better because they know that they're actually kind of better than that. And uh, I think it was, you know, it's probably, maybe it's one of those games that just kind of just, it just didn't quite work for them, didn't quite tick for them. But then uh, Thomas Frank made a bit of a genius move when he, uh, he changed things around, didn't he, Laney? Yeah, he did. Um, bringing bringing Dalsgaard back on um, in, into it, 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 it gave us more, it, it shored us up. I think that in itself, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to knock Roslev because you know it's important that these players in and around the, the periphery of the squad they they, they do get time, um, and we might have to be using them depending on how the results go. I think I can't see much. Assuming if we if we if we can beat Derby and one of the results goes our way, um, you know, or two two results go our way with the West Brom fixtures that are upcoming. Um, I don't see us changing the team at all for the rest of the season. They, 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 they are, you won't want to potentially weaken any area whatsoever. So, like last night, probably if you're going, if you're going to if you're going to flip it slightly, then that's the game to do it. Um, but I just I just think a couple of things that really did play in our favour. Obviously, going behind, but going behind quite early. Um, obviously, not going too behind. That was that was pretty important. But then we were able to sort of kind of adapt. Uh, and then grow and in the second half it was it was a 45 minute sort of assault and to turn that game around and I thought there was an inevitability about us scoring and, and, and getting I did I, I didn't we, we did in the in the garden we did say to ourselves so okay what at what time on the clock do we start panicking here and uh, we agreed 75 minutes was the panic panic time if we hadn't got back into the game by that stage 
we were we were actually worried that we were going to get anything out of it whatsoever. So, you know, I, I think again the, we were building up to equalise. Uh, I think ha having Dow's guard back on the pitch by that stage, I think I just think there's a there's a bit of a, I wouldn't say more of a swagger. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe more of a swagger about us at that stage. We we know that we're rock solid at the back, and we we know that we can probably take a few more risks coming forward and we saw that we, we, we really did go out and, and Josh De Silva he really did come into that game in the second half and uh, you know he, he, he was a man mountain there um, yeah that was a big performance by Josh um, it was and like I said to you it was definitely a game of two halves the second half like I said to you Roslip and this is not a knock on Roslip listen he's a great player I've seen him play some really great games but um, Charlton definitely did target him. They noticed that there was a weak side down the right-hand side, or down, down that side. So they actually kind of, you know, they came at us down that side. But, you know, listen, you know, we had to deal with that. So, you know, with Rosliv, uh, Jensen and Buma actually all coming off, you know, we had to Silva switching over on the sides as well. And all of a sudden we noticed a change. We also had um, uh, Marcondes coming on as well. Which you know him coming on, which made a huge difference as well. And then you had Devasoglu who came on later, who's like some sort of terrier who just was there to just kind of completely and utterly rattle the charm. But this all came about after Thomas Frank. We had a bit of a water break. We're still one 0 down, and we had you know we get, we get given a water break, and uh, Thomas Frank uh, used the water break very liberally to pull out his whiteboard with the magnets and everything like that. And he had a he had a whole geography lesson, you know, <laughs> during the water break, and the, the players knew exactly where they needed to go after the water break because the geography lesson told them exactly where the north and south and east and west was. And then we came out and bang, 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 we scored two goals. And uh, to say that the sort of the Leeds and um, West Brom fans to a certain extent but not so much but the Leeds fans were they were going apoplectic about you know the fact that we'd actually bought out a whiteboard and we were actually telling our players what to do during the water break and the, if you go online onto the Griffin Park Grapevine Twitter the Besotted Twitter or just go anywhere and just put a whiteboard in Brentford you'll see very unhappy Leeds fans just saying that we've been cheating and you know thrown out the league and you know we should just not exist anymore and, and all sorts of stuff so it's quite it's quite funny isn't it lady yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's a, a, a fair play to uh, uh, Trevor at the, um, Grip Park Grapevine for doing that brilliant um, translated, like subtitled version of the uh, of, of that clip of the, of the coverage from last night's game on TV. So yeah, have a look at the have a look at the side Twitter. We've uh, we've retweeted the video there. So it's just, it's, it's a very very funny kind of uh, take on what what uh, Thomas was telling the players. But yeah, you know, you're right. You know, Mokondis does it again. You know what I mean? He's like, he, he does have an impact. He's, every time he's come on or or been involved, he, he he's, you know, he, he's been involved in a really good comeback for us or a, or a game changing sort of phase of play. And you and you're right as well about Devasoglu. Uh, he, he came on like a bit of a man possessed there. I could have could have gone slightly a little bit late on that second challenge and wouldn't have really done himself any favours if he got sent off towards the end then. But um, I think, you know, luckily he, he, he didn't quite catch his man in a, in a sort of a, a too cynical kind of way. But, uh, yeah, did, did we, I mean, there was talk around, I mean, it happened when when the heavens opened, but did we go 4-4-2 at the end? I don't know, but we started, we certainly pressed higher. We certainly threw men forward. It looked like we had done. Um, we didn't look as wide as we had done as well, though, weirdly. 
we looked a little bit narrower. So it would suggest that we'd moved a second man in the middle and started playing a bit more compact. So certainly it was definitely a tactical shift. Um, I dare, I don't think we're allowed to say that we play a, a 4-4-2 formation at Brentford anymore, are we? No, that's what we said. You know, someone said, looks like we're going 4-4-2. And we kind of looked at it and went, don't be so ridiculous. So that's not very Brentford, is it? <laughs> Maybe it was 4-4, four, four, sort of one, sort of one hanging around there. <laughs> yeah, oh uh, yeah, we, we said, yeah, it'd be some slight, a slight variant on it, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be straight, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, just coming back to the whiteboard, because, you know, that, that was a very powerful whiteboard. It was a very, very, you know, that changed the game. And we were just thinking, you know, whatever was written on that whiteboard, I mean, there must be some magic words, three words would have changed that team's perception, would have changed the way that they're driving that game, the way that the result's going to go was changed by three words. And I was just wondering, put it out there to see what three words do you think were written on that whiteboard? Laney, got any, any, any thoughts? Yeah, he put whiteboards matter. Actually, I didn't think you were angry enough when you said that, Laney. More importantly, surely all boards matter. <laughs> the, the liberal. I, I've decided, I'm, I was torn. I thought he's probably put some repetition in there. So I had... Pass, move, strike, find the gaps, or just top, top, top. Top, top, top. Listen, we threw that out there as well. I mean, Ali, Ali Malali said Leeds are laughing. Put a little fire in the bellies there as well. Um, pretty obvious one. Score a goal. Somebody else said score two goals, which they end up doing as well. Lane, you got, you've got any other ones there as well? Yeah, um, about John Terry's mum. No, actually, no. I don't think that was on there as well. That definitely wouldn't have motivated the Liberal. I quite like a few of these. Uh, I like Gems Don't Stop Believing. Uh, I can I can imagine him breaking out into song. I feel like that's in his spirit. Um, I think uh, there's also the classics of score a goal and score two goals. Um, easier said than done, but I suppose if you want to keep it simple on the whiteboard, that's one way to do it. Or or or, um, or just someone's also written there. I don't know who said it, but hello, Marco Bielsa. I think that's brilliant. The other, the other one was like we might have just put West Bromwich Albion because that that they are that's that is clearly the focus. You know. We have to keep the pressure on West Brom. You know, I've got, I've got nothing against West Brom, to be honest with you. I've, you know, I've got West Brom mates, I'm sure you know, everyone has. I think they've, they've been really good this year, but they're, they're, they're the ones that are in the way of us and the top, top division. So, uh, yeah, top, top division or West Bromwich Albion. No dickheads here as well, which I thought was, uh, was quite interesting as well. Um, the rest of all, he said, my barber's open, which is like totally going on his totally left field thing as well. Create more space, said the Ellard, which is very, very true. Um, well, you know, and uh, don't stop believing and just keep going. So there's so many words that you could write, but maybe look at City, if that whiteboard is so magic, then maybe we should think about, you know, Thomas bringing it out. And maybe we might have a little think in later on in the podcast here to think what three words he should actually put on the whiteboard for the derby game at the weekend. Phil, do you think do you think the grief that he's got for using the board is is justified? Do you think do you think like you you know is it, you know I, I guess it's the first time I've seen it in any it's quite so blatantly you know I mean obviously all the other coaches and all the other managers during you know that last drinks break they obviously do tactical advice and they and they they, they sort of rally the troops for the for the final quarter of the game but I mean this. It wasn't. It's not cheating, is it? I'm going to be completely and utterly honest with you. I actually did not even really notice it. Didn't even enter my brain. You know, when it happened, I just thought, okay, there they go. You got a break. Um, normally, like, like, say for example, when you got a World Cup, 
they have they have a drinks break and the coach comes on and they tell them stuff and that's just kind of what happens and uh, I've never really thought about it and I think that maybe what's happened is that obviously we got to drinks break to try and break the game up because you know the players are playing lots of games in the short space of time and they don't want to make sure they get injured and all this kind of stuff so it's a it's a drinks break stroke rest break okay and it doesn't normally happen but it's been put into place now now obviously when they say it's a drinks break they think because it's June the weather should be you know sort of it's going to be sort of kind of you know 30 odd degrees it's going to be really hot so you're going to need a drinks break but obviously yesterday was quite cool and it was raining so there's people that are looking at it you know putting on going, it's not raining it's not hot. why do they need a drinks break but the fact is that it's kind of that's just you know this is just part of what's happening at the moment now and what does the referee do he goes oh we were meant to have two drinks breaks but because the weather isn't any good i'm going to take one of them out it's just kind of like that's just what happens and you know if the coach decides you want to use that time to actually um get some information to his players that's kind of what happens so i didn't think twice about it and i think that it's quite typical leeds fans do kind of do pick up on things you know we've had the situation with the ollie watkins penalty and the diving that they bought with um with um with, 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 with Ollie Watkins beforehand and then the Malpay penalty after that. And they just pick up on little things that you don't even think about. Um, and it's almost like you think there's a little bit of a paranoia with Leeds because they always feel that somebody's got, or not all of them, but some of them feel that they've got something against them because they don't want them to leave the championship because they generate so much money that if they left the championship, then you know all that money would disappear. So they, I think there's this whole conspiracy theory saying that everybody's conspiring against Leeds, even when Leeds aren't involved in a match. And I, and I do find it a little bit peculiar. Uh, I've heard that we we're, uh, were actually going to be naming the whiteboard on our lineup for the next starting game as well, just in case we need to call it on again. Um, I think it should be a permanent feature, or maybe that if we score a goal after the break, that we sponsor it by some sort of whiteboard provider. Well, we shall see. But I mean, just coming back to the match again, you know, overall, I mean, Charlton, first half, um, they, they had us, but the second half, we slowly started to kind of, you know, I say tear them apart. We started to get into them. I mean, if you look at the, I mean, again, we throw the stats into the into the pot. XG wise, 1.52 to Brentford, 0.74 for Charlton. So uh, we weren't necessarily as tight again. But then saying that Charlton's one big chance did come from that goal, you know, uh, perfectly in the middle of the area header. Good goal, to be fair. He beat um, Raya to it. Again, as Laney said, maybe Raya should have got himself to that ball, but he didn't. So they scored a good goal. But other than that, they had a few little pot chances in the area, but nothing too great. So defensively after that, we were pretty resolute and they sort of kind of held them down to 0.74. But most of that 0.74 was that one chance they got to get in the goal. Um, you know, for Brentford, 1.52, but including that is obviously a penalty, which is, you know, 77% or 78%. So other than that, we had, a, you know, we had, we had the Justice Silver chance. We had, um, uh, you know, we, we had quite a few chances in, in, in the area, um, but, not, but not, not great chances, but still good opportunities, if you understand. So we were taking shots. We were taking shots from afar. We were taking shots from out wide. We hit the post from out wide. Um, and we weren't creating necessarily like the, the brilliant chances we were creating against Reading, but we are still creating chances. And I think the one thing about it for this game is that we've been in games where we've been, say, behind, and we all of a sudden we see ourselves like we were in the second half where we're getting better. We're getting better. We, we're getting into them. Finally, we start to carve them open a little bit. We, you know, we're getting in the rivers. We won't be able to get behind them before, but then afterwards, it doesn't ever deliver. But it's almost like, not say the first time, but you're sort of thinking, surely maybe this is our year where you can see us getting better. We're getting the chances, half chances, 
bang, one in the back of the net, bang, two in the back of the net. We actually delivered. And I think that was the difference between Brentford now and Brentford of maybe last season or even the season before. Don't you think, Laney? Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, we're, we're absolutely um, on a roll. You know, five, five straight wins going into that, six, six straight wins now. Um, there, there, there's a real belief. Yeah, there's no appetite for bottling it at the moment. Um, we're just going to carry on until it's mathematically impossible for us to, to, to not dream about going up automatically. You know, he's got he's, Thomas and, the, and, his, and his coach and staff and all, all the medical staff. They, we're, 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 on, we're riding the crest of a perfect wave at the moment. Um, and obviously, sometimes there's a little bit of a wobble, but the wobble was able to be sort of like, you know, kept in check. Um, and Derby are going to be Derby are going to be scared. Let's, 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 let's be let's not make no make no bones about it. They 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 they've got their eye on that 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 playoff place as well. So uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be a fascinating test. And uh, I'm just I'm just really looking forward to the next game. I I, I can see them winning again. And uh, you know it uh, that's why that's why the belief and and pulling that game back. Our, in our favour last night was so critical. And Thomas Frank, obviously delighted with the result. Let's have a little listen to what he had to say about the Charlton match. Of the current uh, top four teams, they only lost tonight uh, against us. Uh, they beat us last time. They have uh, beaten Leeds. They two times draw with Fulham and West Brom. So they're very good against the top side. And they also showed that today they're very, very difficult to, to break down Charlton, so not all uh, respect to them. And I think they will, they will survive and stay in the championship. It's well done uh, from, from Liboya and his um, coaching staff and the players. Talking a lot about what will we do to a setback during a game or if we lose a game and all, all that. Um, and we haven't conceded in I don't know how many minutes. Uh, so we just knew that when we conceded, okay, uh, we need to move on and keep doing what we're doing. And, uh, they changed the system to play a 5-3-2 against us a little bit more as man-marking all over the pitch. So, so that was um, different. Uh, we knew it will, will happen, but, but still different to play against. Uh, and we just need to find that rhythm and keep making good rotations and keep making the runs in behind. And then over time we, we knew that, that we could create enough chances. We tried to have Brian and Oli more on the last line um, as strikers and then say it in a free roll as a 10 and then push the fullbacks higher. And then we also changed, as you can see, through first half also to get Josh to, to the right side and match it to the left side. So we got a left and a right footer for the crosses and the finishing and it was close that Josh put it to the top corner, for example. This is a massive boost. Of course, we continue to win, uh, but also against a, a tough, tough opponent that we you know, need to use a lot of minutes to break down, that, that just gives you something extra. Uh, but today we are a little bit more happy and I think it's a big win. Uh, tomorrow we will recover well and then we look forward to, to the game Saturday against Derby. Patient and also move the ball and I think we did that better second half. Just from one side to the other side, try to make the breakthrough. If you couldn't, okay, the other side, across, pick the second ball up, put them under pressure. Um, and then over time they, 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 we created bigger and bigger chances. <clears throat> Someday it was UL. Uh, another day, Tariq. Today, Halil Devsoklu came on the pitch and did very well. Uh, so everybody just needs to be ready because we don't know when we need them, and we know there is a. Um, we know uh, we need them depending on the type and the, and the type of game. 
So that was Thomas Frank. Tell you something though, just just looking again at our style of play, we were what we were good at. We created. We were very very good at creating goal scoring opportunities from long shot situations. So we went longer than we would normally do, and uh, we were dangerous when we went long as well. You know, especially as their goalkeeper Phillips is a very good goalkeeper as well. Even though he, did, he had a few fluffs actually, Phillips as well, because I've heard a lot about him and Charlton fans say. He's the man that's been sort of kind of keeping the goal tally down. But, you know, there was a couple of chances where, you know, I think that, for example, Watkins, you know, a bit slow on the rebound than I expected him to. And, you know, Phillips left the ball and I thought Watkins might have come in on the rebound and, and got the ball. And, and Ollie Watkins, I mean, they're talking about the golden boot for Ollie Watkins. Mitrovic has been out. He's uh, neck and neck with Mitrovic. And this is his opportunity to pull away. Do you think that maybe the golden boot thing is, 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 is in his head? Or do you think he's just actually thinking... I'm going team. I'm just playing from a team at the moment. I personally think that he's he, he's not that selfish. You listen to all of his interviews, you look at the man. He's not about himself, actually. It's all about what he can do. He wants premiership football. Let's be let's make no qualms about it. That's what he wants. That's what he's gonna do. And if he can do it with Brentford, I think he's keen to do it. He contributes goals, but it's his movement off the ball as well. He's just in there. And it's all about those links. The difference in the second half was that we had different partnerships. We were getting but we, we weren't predictable. We were moving the ball about nicely. But I think for him, his job is just to be in there, to keep people thinking, keep people guessing. And that's what he can do. He can play out wide. He can play down the middle. The man's a, ma a magician. And it's interesting you say, he, you know, wants Premiership football and he wants to play it with Brentford. And the fact is that if we go up, I, I put a lot of money on the fact that Dolly Watkins will actually stay at Brentford. The, the, the vibe going down is that he loves it here. It's about him. You know, he'll get a move. He'll get a move to another club. At some stage, you know, he could actually be playing for England within the next two years. And it wouldn't be so wonderful if Ollie Watkins at the next European Championship was playing for England um, because it's been moved to next year. Wembley Stadium, can you imagine all the Bees fans piling down Premier League? But anyway, let's not get ahead of ourselves, like I'm saying. But he is that good. And I think that he and I think that he will honestly will stay with Brentford if we do go up. It's a big if, you know, we're coming back to that. But coming back to that game as well, we're also very strong at finishing. So the chances we got, we, we did we, we did finish him as well. He had a large quantity of possession in their half. I think we had about 70% possession or something ridiculous. 70.1% possession as well. 21 shots we had to their six. You know, past success, 84%, you know, to 61%. 14 dribbles to five. They had loads of tackles and they were, you know, cutting us out, especially in the first half. You know, we dominated possession, short passing, you know. And that was our, you know, our strengths. We didn't have many major weaknesses. Charlton had no significant strengths but they lost possession often. They gave away a lot of free kicks around the box, were caught offside often. Uh, and like I said, they attacked down the right side mainly, you know, and they, they favoured long balls. So that just kind of gives you an idea of where that game, and you could see how it's swang in our favour eventually, can't you, Tom? Absolutely. I think, I, think, I think they're going to be very disappointed when they look back at that second goal, though. They let De Silva have so much time to get that ball in exactly where he wanted it. And when you've got someone like Ethan Pinnock in the middle there, you, he's, he can bullet header. You know, we're so good with set pieces. They gave him the angle and they didn't close down the cross early enough. So they'll be gutted about that having put in such a shift. But, but I think that's it. Quality of delivery is so good at the moment. It's making the difference and it makes finishing easy from that sense. And it's a, don't you think it's also it's important that um, some of the defenders weighed in with a couple of goals here and there? I think, uh, you know, Pinnock and um, um, Pontus especially, they, they do pose an area of threat. And I know that's not where we necessarily look um, for our corners. You know, we, we spoke about that, you know, with the, you know, the, Reading, the Reading goal. Um, we, we, we sort of like, like to create chaos from our corners um, and don't necessarily just put it straight into the mixer. But, um, you know, we have, we have got 
guys that are very dominant in the air um, coming forward. And it's, uh, it's, I think, you know, it may not be the last time where we're needing uh, one of the one of the central uh, one of the central defenders to come up and uh, bail us out with a with a with a late late goal. Ethan Pinnock, we've talked about him so many times. He has just come so much up in the world. And again, he got big pointage. You know, he got lots of props for that game. He was seen as being a big, a big rock, not only at the back, but at the front, you know, as in the, in the, in the opponent's box as well. Either whether or not it's at corners where he was sort of trying to knock the ball on or put, putting the ball back and then he was knocking it across. Or eventually, you know, he was in the area, like I said, when he put that ball in the back of the net. And I don't know, like I said to you, told us what it was like in Ash Vegas when that ball went in. But me and Seven Oaks, when that second ball went in, there was bouncing all around my mate Paul's garden. All the red and white striped posse who were there literally got up and we, we bounced from one end of his garden back to the next and then back again with the, the very glum chunks of balls just sitting there with their heads down in their beers. You know, we go to, we go to Derby now. Derby's a ground I've not seen us win at, so um, we, we're we're overdue a, a big performance there. So uh, I'm I'm just I'm I'm quietly confident, Bill. The, the dream the dream is still alive, mate. The dream is still alive. So listen, we're going to talk about Derby. We've got lots of other things that we're going to talk about a little bit later because you know it's half time now, and uh, we need to go into the dressing room. We need to have a little bit of a team talk from the manager, and I think that you know the troops here at the moment now are a little bit tired, and we may have to bring on the substitutes for the second half as we talk about Derby, we talk about West Brom, and we talk about what's going to be happening this weekend. So we're back, and I've got the whiteboard out. I've decided to make a few tactical stubs to keep the squad fresh. Out goes Laney and Liberal Tom, and off the bench comes Liberal Nick and the Allards. It's a Liberal swap. Liberal Nick, how are you feeling after the match today? Good, good. We're always just going to have to keep chasing, and we're going to have just have to keep winning. That's all. The ball's in our court. We can only do what we can do. All the cliches you'd like to imagine. Keeping positive, as they say. And uh, the Allards, there's a lot riding on today's game. West Brom were playing Derby. We just watched that. The game's just finished. Um, people, you know, people were hoping for a result there. They didn't quite happen as far as we were concerned. I mean, obviously, the West Brom people are very happy. So that means it's going to be a big game on Saturday against Derby, isn't it? Live on Sky. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, it was always going to be a big game, whatever. I, I think, actually, it, it's for Derby now. It's um, it's do or die, isn't it? On Saturday, if they don't get anything out of Saturday, they're not going to be in the playoffs. I don't, I don't believe. So, um, but then I, you know, after watching tonight, I just wonder how Derby can, you know, even hope to win a game of football playing the way they played tonight. West Brom were a good side, but really Derby just looked toothless tonight. Again, they're toothless, and we'll talk about that in a little bit um, afterwards because we've uh, we've got a couple of guests that are going to come. Like I said to you, Brentford travel to Pride Park or the iPro or Derby Stadium, you know, whatever it's called, it take on Wayne Rudy's Derby on Saturday. Like I said, the team reaction tonight away to West Brom and the whole of TWA and Leeds would have been cheering on the Rams this afternoon. It didn't quite go to plan. Um, so we're playing them on Saturday. We thought we need to find a little bit more about what's going on in the Derby camp. And I know two people who know a lot about Derby. They're up there in the Derby area. We've got Lisa and Pete from Derby Fan TV. We're going to go to them right now. So yes, Lisa from Derby Fan TV. Pete's actually still on the air broadcasting. We've got a double broadcasting going on. So we've got just Lisa in the house here. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. I mean, I'm sure that you could have been better because the game has just finished 
and the result didn't go to plan for not Derby and not for Brentford, did it? Uh, to be fair though, uh, Billy, we were absolutely, the first half we were okay, we played some nice football at times, but in the second half, uh, we, we just offered nothing, we've had no shots on target, I think four all game, it's just not good enough, but, but the average age of that team tonight was 21 at one point, we had nine academy lads on the field in the second half, which in this league, it's it's a worry. We're having to rely on youngsters with the, uh, and we've had another one sent off tonight. But you'll see that it was never ever sending off. We simply got sent off. So we've had Waggon sent off. He's been missing. Tom Lawrence has been missing. Then we've had missing Andre Wisdom. So we missed some key players. And yes, it bodes well for the future these academy lads. But when you're trying to get into the top six, you can't rely on youth. As many, anyways, we are. Koku, I mean, at the beginning of the season, you know, didn't go great. I mean, I think you were about sort of 19th or so, um, especially when you came down to Brentford. Um, like I said, the start of the season wasn't great. Koku wasn't happy with maybe the, the, the way that the players were applying themselves. But ever since Christmas time, you know, and especially recently, you've gone on a bit of a run, which has got you on the edge of the playoffs. I mean, what has he done to turn things around? I don't think it's him. I think it's Wayne Rooney, if I'm honest. If you look at the form since Wayne Rooney came into the team in January, we're top of the, the league with points um, per game. Um, you can't hide away from the fact that the impact Wayne Rooney has had on this club is massive. Not only is playing and he's still got it um, as a player, is is phenomenal when you're watching game game every game you know live. Is is not lost it. It might be a bit slower, but his vision for a pass. His ability on the ball is second to none. The influence he's had with the young lads, they've come on leaps and bounds. You know, he trains them a lot. He stays behind with them after training. So I think it's, you've got to put it down to the Wayne Rooney factor, I'm afraid. I think, in my eyes, working alongside Koku and his bathroom staff, uh, it's, it's, it's come together. And I, I'm, I'm very hopeful of next season. I didn't anticipate being anywhere near the playoffs, if I'm honest. This is a bonus. I don't think Derby will get in the top six. But um, with the young kids that we've got, the young talent that we've got, with a few additions, I think we'll have a right good go next season. That's what I'm banking on. It's interesting you talked just now about, I mean, we saw Sibley, he got a red card. I mean, I know you say it wasn't a red card, um, but, you know, you've had a, a, a sending off there. You had Waggon that got sent off beforehand, which is obviously going to cost you these very, very important games. You know, and, you know you're picking up sort of quite a few um, red cards, quite a few penalties. And, you know, do you think that maybe... Um, so the attitude and the aggression and that side of Derby may be kind of letting letting you down to a certain extent. There's something that, you, you know, as a team, you've got to rein it in. This is what the problem is, though, Billy, when you've got young lads, you're talking 18-, 19-year-old kids that are playing to please the manager, that are getting a bit carried away within the moment, um, lose their heads a little bit through inexperience. I don't think you'd see that side of Derby County when you've got older and more experienced players. Because we've got such a young squad and some of these young academy kids coming out of the under-23s into the first team, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the disciplinary problems with Derby. It's a lot of the young lads. So, I mean, Derby, I mean, just talking about you as a team, I mean, I mean, we saw Wayne Rooney the other day again. Free kicks, unbelievable. Great free kicks. You, you, long shots as well is, is, you know, it's your style of play. You know, you play down the wing, you're strong, you know. Um, you, you know and I saw Bogle, you know, as you know, you're doing the wing back thing as well. You know, so you've got a particular type of play as well. You know, you're slightly aggressive as well, but, you know, you can win the wall back, ball back, short passes. I'm just wondering, sort of Derby's style of play, Coming in to play Brentford, how do you think that you're going to combat the way that we play? I don't think we will. I've said, and you know, Billy, I've said 
at the start of the season, I said Brentford will get from Well, I fancied Brentford to win the playoffs. Will you get the top two? You still, you, you still could. But I do think if you are in the playoffs, I think you'll 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 win the playoffs. I really do. I think you're a fantastic footballing side. I really enjoy watching Brentford play. Some of the talent you've got, your goal spread up front. I'm frightened to death. I can see you beating us, maybe three or four nil, something like that on on Saturday. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I just I just wanted to ask about. I mean, it's somewhat about tonight's performance. But apart from Rooney free kicks, long shots, where else can your goals come from? Because to be honest, I, I didn't think um, you looked like you were at the races in terms, especially Chris Martin in front of goal. And I think you lack a bit of pace up front. I mean, loads of pace. This is, this is the issue. Derby, we, we don't score a lot of goals. We're not a free-flowing footballing goal-scoring side for a while. Um, hopefully, Tom Lawrence is back on Saturday. He's always capable of a bit of magic. But again, he's another one that's temperament, lets him down, uh, along with other things. So, uh, we are struggling uh, up front and I was shouting at the TV tonight. We offered absolutely diddly squat up top tonight. It was embarrassing. Um, final third for the last couple of games has let us down. And coming uh, you know, coming up against the likes of you, Cardiff, it, it's, it is a worry. Um, we've just got to finish this season on a, as best we can. Um, I thought we'd finish mid-table, to be honest, um, a while back. So... To be pittering along and still having a chance to get in the playoffs, this is a bit of a bonus, to be honest. What's the feeling about Chris Martin? Is it is it that he's not like I think you may have alluded to that he's he's not getting the service, or do you think that you know he's his long term at Derby is coming to an end now? Most Derby fans want to see him given at least another year. Chris Martin will score your goals, but like you said, he's got to have the service. He's got no service whatsoever. And then when Chris Martin gets frustrated, that's when he he goes missing in games. But He's one of the best players we've had at Derby County for for, for a number of years. His, his, his work off the ball in his hold-up play alongside scoring goals is no better in this league, but you've got to get the ball to, to feet for Chris Martin and get the ball in behind the opposition's defenders. And we did none of that tonight, so he had nothing to feed up. He had no scraps even. He got nothing at all tonight. I think it worried me a bit that maybe uh, trying to fit him and Rooney into the same team might, might be a bit of a challenge. But, you know, I, I guess you've... You've had a good sort of period since Christmas, so maybe that's not so much the case. No, Rooney's playing a lot for quite deep in that holding ball in midfield. He played further up the field today, which um, I don't think really worked. I think you get the better from Rooney when he's, he's sort of sitting in just in front of the back four, dictating play a little bit. So, Was that to make up for Waghorn not playing? I think so, yes, definitely, yeah. Because we've missed Waggy today, tonight, definitely, and Lawrence. If we'd have had Wisdom, Lawrence, Waggy and, and a full-strength squad, I think we'd have given West Ham a bit of a better game, to be honest. I was just going to touch on your defence, which <clears throat> didn't look didn't look wonderful tonight. I mean, particularly the second uh, goal, um, I thought, was, was poor defending. Has that been a problem for you this season? And, um, you know, if you were an opposing manager, how would you say get at your defence? Set pieces is always a good one to get at our defence. We've not very good at defending set pieces. That's let us down a lot this season. The second goal was Lee Buchanan. Again, he's, no, he's not been anywhere near the first team since Crashgate because he was involved in that, that incident. Um, so it's his first time in, in, in the team tonight. So again, that's an experience. It's his first start in a Derby shirt since, well, since the crash, to be fair. Um, it, it, it wasn't nowhere near the side. Defensively, yes, we're liable. I thought Forsyth had a shocking game today. He was giving the ball away. Um, we're struggling on that front. That's, and we miss Wisdom. Wisdom as centre-half has been a revelation since he's been playing that position. He's fast, he's quick, he gets out. Um, and of course, we've only got Matt Clark on loan from Brighton. So it is a worry. 
and the goalkeeper for me, Ben Hamer, yes, he made a couple of good saves tonight, but the goalkeeper has to be priority next season to get a decent keeper because we haven't got a decent keeper. Oh, we have. Is it, is it Man City? I'm learning. We've not got a decent keeper, and that's what worries me. We know about Ben Hamer. He's no Brentford. Yeah, how is Matt Clark developing? He, I, I like him. He's good. Um, you can see why Brighton sent him out on loan. Um, but for me, I, I'd like to see him at Derby County. You know what I mean? Full time. But I, I can't see that happening. But yeah, I think he's, he's, he looks a lot older than he is. I think he must have had a hard paper round. But yeah, he's a young lad. And, He's developing quite well, to be fair. Yeah, well, I was thinking you sort of replaced one centre-back who looks a lot older than he was um, with another one who now looks a lot older than he is as well. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, for me, the priority sign is he's got to be a centre-half, a goalkeeper and a, centre, a, a decent centre-forward uh, in the summer, if you've got any money. I've got to go back to you know the way that Derby's been doing their business off the pitch. You know, been spending a lot of money over the past years, which is... It's probably come back to haunt them in a number of ways. They talk about selling the stadium. We're talking about, you know, just being financially in trouble, being potentially in trouble, you know, with the EFL, with dock points, maybe or may not happen. So, you know, that's been talked about a lot. But on the flip side, you know, I've got to say, I've got to tip my hat. There's certain sides of Derby, which I say, absolutely brilliant. You know, you employed Liam Rossini, who I've got the ultimate respect for, the person he's a very intelligent person but also I think he's a brilliant coach and when he was going to leave Sky TV I was hoping that he actually might have got a job with our coaching team there as well but also your youth team set up you know you've got Sibley who played who's just started with you now scored a hat-trick the other day very exciting but you've got a number of very exciting players that come from your setup I mean you must be quite excited about that for the future oh I am Billy and we've got like I say we've got probably one of the best and I'm not just saying it because I'm a, a a Derby fan through rose-coloured glasses, but we've got one of the best academies in the country. You know, we're a Cat 1 academy. Um, a lot of Premier League teams would like our academy. And to have so many academy players on the pitch tonight at the end, we had nine on the pitch tonight finishing this game. Um, to have such good young talent coming through at the same time, it does bode very well for the future. Um, I am excited with some of the young talent, with Max Bird, the Louis Sibley, uh, Hector Hing Hector. Ingram, who came on, it's the first time he's made a senior appearance. He looks a really good signing. I watch him a lot in the under-23s. Um, I'm not too sure on Morgan Whitaker. I don't think he's quite got it for me. But Koku keeps, you know, putting him in occasionally. But no, yes, it does bode very well. Like I say, next season, I think with the young talent and a few extra additions, I'm hoping we can have a real good go. Do you think the kids will be uh, play, playing for the rest of the season? I don't think we've got much choice the way uh, suspensions and injuries and things are happening. I, 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 I can't see what else he can, he can do, to be fair, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he's one for encouraging youth, is he? He is. Well, he was manager of, um, I forget, Holland. it was in Holland. And he brought a lot of youth, youth into that team, didn't he? And they did very well. So, yeah, he's all for youth, as is Mel Morris. Saturday, when Derby came to Griffin Park, 3-0 Brentford were winners with goals from Bumo and two goals from Watkins. We played very well and that's an excellent result from us. This game, though, I'm just asking you, how different do you think it will be? <sighs> well, there'll be no fans, that's, that's about, <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> I honestly can't see Derby getting a result. And I'm not, uh, I have every admiration for, for what, what you do as a football club. You're, no disrespect, you're a small club in London, aren't you, really, in comparison to others. But, but the way you keep finding these players and selling them for big money and your scouting system must be phenomenal because... Like I say, you're a joy to watch. I think the football you play at times, you know, you've, you've got a lot of attacking flair. Um, I can't see us getting anything out of the game, if I'm honest, to be honest with you. So, Lisa, I'm going to have to ask you then, just give us a score. 
prediction? I think we'll probably get beat probably 3-1. I'm not saying this to you, but obviously we need to get the points on the bag because West Brom, are, uh, they're pulling away from us at the moment now. We need to keep them in tow and keep them on their toes, as they say. But anyway, Lisa, listen, it's really great chatting to you again. And uh, listen, I say good luck for the rest of the season. We need you guys to pick up pick up as many points as possible after Saturday. Billy, yes. if you get to play Forest in the playoff final, make sure you beat him. <laughs> OK, listen, one step at a time, OK, Lisa. We've got to get there first and then we've got to get <laughs> the teams. But when we get there, we can have that conversation once again. All right, take care, mate. Take care, thank you. All the best. So that was Lisa from Derby Fan TV. And... Uh, she 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 doesn't she just doesn't think they're going to get anything which makes me a little bit worried sometimes because uh even the charlton fans were confident you know um all the fans that are coming to us are sort of fairly confident you think right but she's thinking you're just going to get all the points and i think oh no we mustn't get too complacent i mean what are you thinking lads i i to be honest that, that was exactly what occurred to me was that um was you know beware of um of a team that appear to have nothing to play for and coming off of terrible performance, especially when they've got a lot of kids in the team um, who are hungry, you know, and they're not out of the playoffs yet. For them, it, this is, you know, if they win on Saturday, that's the only way they're going to have any sniff of the playoffs. And I guess if you're, you know, if you're at Derby, you still think you've got a sniff of it, just like we have of the top two. So, um, yeah, Saturday main, it, I'd love it. I'd kind of love it now if they rolled over for us on Saturday, but, but I'm not sure they will. She was very down, wasn't she? And you know, but uh, I think complimentary about the way that Koku is managing the team and bringing the kids through. Um, but <clears throat> those famous last words, "You never win anything with kids," um, struck a bit of fear into my heart at the moment. Because if that's what they're playing, the kids, um, they that something you know, they've got something to prove to Koku and and the way that they'll take it on in the in the next um, in the next few games to make sure that they're. Uh, up there for a starting position uh, come come next season. I, I didn't wasn't impressed by Derby. I didn't. I have to admit, I only saw the second half of the game um, today, and I haven't seen much of them before. But set pieces, quite clearly, the second goal that West Brom scored um, was appalling defending from from the set piece that, that they had. I reckon you know we should be in a, in a fairly strong position to take them on, but this league it's such a funny league at the moment you just don't know what's going to happen but I'm in a way perhaps we can just touch on the fact that I don't think it's West Brom that um, we should be worried about or we should be worried about catching I still think Leeds I still think Leeds are I'm not going to say falling apart but the pressure that is on them you can see anything that happens to anything that happens that may affect Leeds's ability to get one of the top two spots the pressure that their fan base puts on them. I mean, I hope Bielsa has got all his team locked up. Well, I don't hope, but I'm sure Bielsa has got all his team locked up in sort of some hotel room and not doesn't let them out except on match days for 90 minutes because I'd hate to be a Leeds player at the moment. It's interesting. I mean, you talk about, I mean, I think that Leeds are gone, no matter, because there's just too good a side. Um, but, you know, as... When that first goal went in for West Brom today, because I thought this would have been our opportunity, 
Um, and when that went in, I just thought it's slipping away from us a little bit here because we're now coming down to, you know, the four games and it's going to be three, then it's going to be two. And so I just thought, you know, that's, that's like I said, you're slipping away from us. And it also looks like if anything's going to happen, it's going to be from the left field teams, the teams that, well, we said this before, I mean, we were chatting with Blaney the other day and we said it's going to be the teams that we don't expect it to happen with. You know, maybe your Huddersfields and your QPRs are the ones rather than the Fulhams and the Derbys, which we expect them to take points off. And obviously things changed for us on Saturday, on, on, on yesterday um, when we played Charlton, when Thomas Frank got out the whiteboard. As we said in, uh, early on in the podcast, you know, people gave all their different phrases that they thought were written on the whiteboard. So we thought it would be a very good idea for Thomas Frank to get out the whiteboard during the drinks break again, during the Derby game, during the Derby game. And we actually uh, asked a few people, including yourselves and the people out there in, in social media land as well, what do they think we should have written on the Derby whiteboard on Saturday? And uh, just, uh, I don't know, there's a few, a few of the answers here. Kick, Wayne Rooney, seemed to be quite a popular one from Football TWA as well. Um, John Jackson said, cheer up Leeds as well have you got any 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 thoughts any 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 phrases that, that come to mind for you you guys three words from me would be just get it done at this stage of the season doesn't matter how you win doesn't matter how how beautifully you play you just have to get yourself over the line so get it done would be the three words i'd write on that board well i mean it's, it's keep on winning isn't it you know that that's what we have to do we have to keep the pressure on three on rooney is what jobber said as well um, Rob Page, lock up your grannies, um, which is quite interesting. Um, Drinks on me, Richard Sue as well. And uh, Colin Murphy, Cold War Bees. If you know what Cold War Bees is, if you go to uh, Brentford Twitter or Louis as well, um, he's been doing all sorts of Cold War Steve type things every time Brentford win. And uh, you need to just check it out. We actually kind of retweet it after every match as well. They're very, very funny indeed um, as well. Get Brentford, get Brentford one is another one. Bill, has nobody said top, top job? Somebody has said something that top, top, yeah, top, top job is one of them as well. Pastor Josh, Anthony Ballard said, which I think is actually probably a fair call. Onto De Silva's left as well. And uh, who needs Rooney? Jackie Knight. I quite, I quite like that one as well. I mean, I hope that one's not going to come and bite us in the arse, like, you know what I'm saying, as they say. But like I said to you, the whiteboard is probably going to come out in every game in the last... Uh, the last few games, because I think we're going to need that whiteboard as as, uh, as we start to sort of kind of bite down to the knuckles as they are. But look anyway, the results past uh, past today and yesterday. You know, the result from yesterday, the main one was Fulham beating Nottingham Forest, which um, which means that Fulham are sort of on our tails. But because we won, we're still kind of trotting away there. Still, we're still looking at third place or second place, and uh, Fulham are still looking at third place. You know, trying to catch us up. So as long as we keep on winning, we keep them. Um, behind us as well but other than that you know there's a few relegation struggles but today there's a few results that are happening at the moment now um is it liberal or matt is what's what's going on at the moment now which may or may not affect us i think two interesting results uh one one interesting result one interesting going on uh neil warnock has uh, has done his bit and has killed off any slight slight hope that millwall might have done of making a run by beating them two nil um, and Borough are pretty much, I think, going to be safe now. Uh, Warnock's in, in charge. Amazing manager, amazing guy. Um, the, the result that's, uh, in, oh, sorry, the, the, the score line that's intriguing me at the moment is with 71 minutes gone, it's Birmingham 1, Swansea City 3. And Swansea are the team I'm a bit nervous about. Uh, I think they could make a late charge into the playoffs. 
and if they you know again they're not a team that I'd fancy meeting I think they play quite decent football um, we have struggled against Swansea um, so yeah for me Swansea are the team to watch and the team that maybe I don't fancy Sheffield Wednesday playing Preston later on and Leeds are playing Stoke tomorrow which is one of those ones where I can't see Stoke getting anything but it might actually surprise us the Allard I think it's getting very, very interesting at the bottom. And um, you've got to say, Birmingham, they're on 49 points. Is it possible? Is it possible that you need more than 49 points to stay in the league? Looking at it, they're only four points off, third from bottom. It could be that relegation has decided over 50 points this year. And that puts Birmingham in it. That would be quite fun. It would be quite interesting. I mean, again, if we, you know, we use 538 and just looking at where they're predicting, they've got predict Birmingham finishing on 55 points, probably about three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about ninth from bottom, actually. So they're, you know, they're saying Birmingham is no way. They've got Luton bottom on 43 points. Wigan, second bottom, 40, 45 points. You know, Barnsley, third bottom, with Charlton finishing fourth bottom on 50 points. But like I said, quite a bit of a gap from Barnsley so Wigan in there and Hull City so that's what he's looking at the bottom but interestingly at the top this 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 result for West Brom has really turned things at the top you know they've got Leeds United top 88 points predicted you know they need to get another 10 points that they predicted you know West Brom second now as well 17% chance of making the playoffs like you know what I'm saying so they basically they cut them from 30% to 17% chance of making playoffs you know, so 80 points are on now and uh, they've got them on 87 points at the end of the season. So they have to make up another seven points between now and the end of the season over the four matches. Brentford, it's us. We're on 75 points. So they've got us to have 83 points at the end of the season. So we're going to be four points behind West Brom is what they predict. So we have to make up another, you know, um, like I said, make it up another eight points, you know, to get us to 83. And then Fulham behind us on 79. So they're going to be a big gap is the prediction. You know, there's 73 points at the moment now. So they've to pick up another six points so that's quite interesting so as you can see from that for us to actually make up any ground on West Brom you know we're going to pretty much have to win all our remaining matches and you know listen not saying that can't be done to be honest uh, I take that I take West Brom getting 87 points because I think we can win our last four games and if we win our last four games we're on 87 points and we'll do it on goal difference so I will take them finish on 87 points that's music to my ears Bill I'll tell you something, but the interesting one, though, is Leeds United, they predicted to get 88 points because they've got to get another 10 points from where they are. So if they get a, a rogue result, if something like the Stoke result, because obviously they've got Leeds to beat Stoke, but if Stoke miraculously beat them, all of a sudden, those three points they predicted them to get, they're not going to get, and that'll put them down onto 84. And then all of a sudden, they're bang on right in, um, in, in our zone for actually catching them. I think the crucial game might be this coming Sunday, uh, where Leeds go to Swansea. And I think that could be a really interesting fixture. Um, as I said to you, I'm quite impressed by Swansea. I think they're making a late charge. Um, they'll be, you know, it'll really help them to, 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 to put one over on Leeds. That will be one one thirty kickoff on Sunday. Definitely be a game worth keeping our eye out on. Well, you just never know. Stoke City might just do it again, come up with another weird result. I remember it was in 1992, the year that we were going for promotion to what is now the championship. Big, big games were happening. We were in third place at the time. I'm pretty sure we were in third place. Birmingham City were top and they've been top for a long time. And second place was Stoke City and they were firmly in second place. And we were going, we're a playoff team. We're going to go for the playoffs. And then the third last game of the season, Stoke City 
played Chester at home. Chester were bottom of the league and they were terrible. And we just thought, you know, it's a given that Stoke City are going to win that game. We'd actually gone up to Falkirk. Uh, about 25 of us had gone up to Falkirk to go up to Aberdeen. So when we were on the terraces, you know, Brentford shirts on with all the Falkirk fans, sort of singing along and having a really good time. And then on the 71st minute, this guy said to me, Billy, Stork City are losing to Chester. Really bad accent, I know. The thing is, Stoke were never meant to lose that match because Chester were awful. They were bottom of the league and we just assumed Stoke would get the three points and they remain in second place. Birmingham City will win their game, they'll remain in top place. But they both lost their games that weekend. So we had to win our game the following day to get into the top two. And the whole of the end, 2000 Falkirk fans started singing, Brentford are going up, the Bees are going up, and Stoke City, Division 3. It was unbelievable, amazing. We had an absolutely fantastic afternoon there up in Aberdeen, singing Brentford songs, because Brentford <laughs> all of a sudden looked like if they won their game the following day, we're going to leapfrog Stoke City, but we had to win that. We absolutely hot-stepped it that evening. We got on the coach and overnight we drove down from Aberdeen all the way back to Brentford. Got to the new inn about 7 o'clock in the morning. They let us in. We had quite a few drinks. We celebrated. And then that morning we beat Fulham 4-0 to put us into second place. We never expected that. Birmingham City, who were top, and they'd been top for ages, lost their last game. Stoke City lost their last game. And we won the league completely out of the blue, so you never know. These strange things happen, and they seem to happen when Stoke City come out with a result that you never expect. Interesting fixtures of being the LR. Does anything sort of caught your eye? I mean, Fulham are playing Cardiff on a Friday night. You know, obviously we're playing uh, Derby County. You know, then we've got um, Nottingham Forest away to Preston. Preston look completely out of it now, so it looks like Forest just need to be sort of treading water to keep in there as well. West, ah, West Brom away to Blackburn Rovers. You know, um, everyone gave Blackburn Rovers that one, and I think they predicted that they were going to win that West Brom. But maybe do you think that might be a bit of an upset, the Allard? Well, you got to hope so. You got to hope that at some point, one of these promotion, you know, chasing teams is going to do a job on West Brom. Um, we've got Blackburn Rovers coming up, and then they've got Fulham. You know, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they at best pick up a. a a win and a draw in those, maybe two draws, something like that. You know, it, it puts us right back in it if that is the case. Um, obviously, on our side, though, we have to keep winning. Looking at it, we're Blackburn at the moment now. They've got them picking up an extra five points over the season. So they probably don't predict that West Brom is going to be one of those five points out of the remaining 12 that they're going to get. But they just you just never know because, they're, you know, they're one of these teams which, you know, we find it really tricky every time we play Blackburn. And they're one of those sides who are very, very unpredictable. They made a little run on, 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 the, on the playoff push, um, places and it looks like they've ticked off. But at the end of the day, if they get themselves a couple of couple of wins under their belt they'll still be pushing you know for an outside playoff place so let's keep our fingers crossed that you know maybe Blackburn can actually start causing a few problems just one quick quick thing one one score line that's happening at the moment which is giving me great joy uh, because of the grief that one team has suffered and the grief that we give the other team is Wigan are beating that team that other team in West London 1-0 at the moment so yeah more power to Wigan so QPR are beating uh, being beaten by Wigan actually which is good because we want Wigan to take as many points as possible towards the end of the season so Saturday it's on TV things have changed you can watch it in your house you can have as many mates around as possible socially distance of course you can go out we can actually go down the pub as well but you know so there's all sorts of sort of kind of different combinations happening I mean I watched it in the garden the other day in the dry you watched it in the garden in the wet but now things, like I said to you, are a little bit different and I am removing myself 
from the garden activity and i'm going to be finding myself down the boozer down, down the boozer down the pub on saturday because on um, lots of cheering because i love the idea that you've got you know you go down the pub and because you've got the buzz of the pub you can't actually hear that the ground's actually empty so i'm actually really looking forward to that uh, the globe's got um showing the game but it's all bookings you can't just walk in there you have to actually book um because uh, of the whole rules that are in place at the moment now so i think it's pretty much booked out on saturday as well so we're going to really looking forward to that i mean you guys have got you your little things going on as well on saturday don't you yeah i've got some uh, i've got some friends coming down coming down to stay with me in devon but uh, uh, they've said that they're perfectly happy to go and do some other stuff on Saturday while the uh, game is on so I'm going to wave them off they can go walking on the moor and I'll be in front of my television watching the, watching the game at 12.30 I'll be down in Ash Vegas again enjoying the bright lights down there um, in the garden um, so yeah uh, we, we've, we've got a 100% record in the garden at the moment so let's keep on with that that's right. And I've heard that you've actually got your set seats, set positions. You cannot move out of your set positions. This is correct. There's been a couple of, you know, switches in and out. Um, when when the switches in and out, when they all turn up, that could be problematic how we manage that. But so far, not been a problem. So, yeah, I mean, I just can't believe that we're talking about Leeds United now. I mean, they, they were gone for a minute, but now we're actually kind of, there's a bit of hope. We're sitting here hoping that Leeds United get reeled back in. And, um, you know, I mean, and, and the thought is that, you know, listen, we've been playing brilliantly. We've been playing so fantastically well. You know, we've benefited from not having fans in the stadium. But you also think that everybody else has as well, haven't you, Alot? Yeah, I, th- I think my point is, is that I, I think we benefited clearly from the restart because we got on a running run really quickly. That got us to within striking distance. But I feel now that we are still benefiting from there being no fans in the stadium because I don't... I, it feels to me like it just takes the pressure off teams a bit and this sort of unbelievable running run we're on can continue. But I also think with West Brom and Leeds, I, I think what happens is is that in, in games where they're not playing very well or they go a goal down or something like that, that but you can, you know, as supporters, we're absolutely incapable of, of not putting pressure on the team because we don't know how to um, sort of, you know, take the pressure off the team so we put intense pressure on the team and when they if, if they're not playing well or they let a goal in then then we get at them and stuff like that and that would that would put the pressure on West Brom and Leeds that isn't happening at the moment because obviously the management team and the coaching team they're much better at managing that than we are as supporters so you sort of feel that they're not probably feeling as much pressure as they would be otherwise and I just think that might play against us going for the last four games so Derby County tomorrow will they be feeling the pressure give us a score prediction I would say that we'll win tomorrow. Um, uh, 3-1, I'm going to say. That's kind of a score I'm going with quite a lot. We're free scoring at the moment. Uh, Derby, you know, they get a free kick or something. Rooney gets one of his free kicks, then every chance they can get a goal. Liberal Nick. Ollie to start scoring again. 2-0 Bs um, in a silent stadium. Did anybody notice, though, for the Charlton game, how, many, how much louder it sounded? I mean, I don't know whether there were more Brentford supporters in inverted commas uh, in the stadium uh, on whether the directors and the other staff had been encouraged to cheer but I thought against Charlton it was very noticeable that the crowd was that much louder it, it, it could easily be it could just be the position of the mics Nick because I guess we went from a sky game to um, uh, uh, what you call it game on I thingy I follow game yeah yeah, I mean, you're saying that, actually, talking about the crowd. Did you notice the, the Portsmouth game when they played Oxford as well? I mean, it was hilarious. There was like, I don't know if there were sort of people just outside the stadium chanting and stuff like that, but they sort of kind of had the old fans chanting, but they were inside. But it sounded like there was like 10 of them. And they sort of chanting through. And they sounded like Pompey fans as well. 
yeah, well, the Portsmouth fans have done because uh, anybody who's been to Oxford, you know, you have the one the one end that has no stand and over, just overlooks the car park. And some of the Pompey fans, and I think it was about ten of them, Bill, went along with a truck loaded up with pallets, and they sat on top of the pallets, having a few having a few beers, and, and able to see the game. And you know, nobody could move them on because they were on you know public land or whatever. It was you know full in ingenuity to them. I thought you know, so so I'm thinking perhaps from the Barnsley game, perhaps we should hire ourselves a big sort of crane hopper. You know, I'll get the traffic license to seal off the Ealing Road. We get a great big crane, you know, and we can sell tickets to sit in the hopper and overlook the ground uh, for the Barnsley match. How about that one? Sounds like not a bad idea, Liberal. I think I'm going to leave that one to you. But anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're off to Derby, the iPro, the Pride Park, the new stadium, old stadium, whatever it's called. We're going to go there. We've got a great chance of getting three points, but we mustn't leave anything to chance as well. We still need to keep maximum points. Win, 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 as they say. West Brom and Leeds are ahead of us, but we can tack them back at any stage. Um, but we know we're going to go up there. We're going to have a good day in the pubs, in the gardens, wherever else it's going to be. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all your major podcast platforms, your Spotify's and your iTunes, whatever it is. But listen, these are playing. We're very happy. We're buzzing. We're playing very well. As we say, come, come on, you bees. You bees. Go on, you bees. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.